Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You listen to KHS 420 and 98.1 FM. The Ask Brian Radio Show, A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N. And every single week, every Thursday, we try to help out business owners, try to help them out with either a new business venture or something that they can learn about their business. And people always ask, why do you spell Brian with an E? Patrick, why yep. do we spell Brian with an E? Well, I'll tell you why we spell Brian with an E. Because there's a number it's of... It's no laughing matter. You're right. This is a very serious matter. The E stands for almost themes that have to do with the Ask Brian show. One of them was empathy. Uh, which what is that? Basically putting yourself in someone else's shoes. But you wear a size 14, I wear a size 8, so how does that work? Well, that means... Uh, Can you fit in my shoes? Really? No, it's too, too, I think too small. I have a problem. Yeah, I just think I have a problem. But at least, hey, we tried. Empathy is you try to put yourself in someone else's shoes. There you go. It's I, the trying that counts. Yeah, you'll be... I'd like to see Effort. You walk. I'd like to see you Effort. walk in my shoes. That too. <laughs> that too. But effort, that starts with an E. Well... hey <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Outside of that, we have... Experts, because everybody on the Ask Brian radio show is an expert in their field. What are you an expert in? Engineering. I thought it was an N95 mask. <laughs> it is an N95 mask. I thought that's what you're an expert in. No, no, I'm not a ma- I'm not an expert in mask ma- masking mask wearing. <laughs> I didn't design it. Why are you guys wearing masks? Uh, uh, I'm at the f- I'm at the freedom. Sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> what? I'm just being free the mask. Free I'm the just mask. I'm just being safe, man. <laughs> There's no safety here. <laughs> okay. Dear you, Lord. This, this plexiglass isn't going to keep you safe from anything. <laughs> See? Pl- plexiglass is a misnomer. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's, <laughs> there is expert ex- a lot. experience. Uh, because uh, everybody on the Esperance Show shows some form of experience you know, in their field as well. What experience do you have? Uh, experience in... Eating cotton candy is not experience. That is not what that is. Experience thought... in engineering, social media, marketing. You name it. You name it? Thank, thank okay. you, Emily. You're welcome. Uh, uh, n- neurosurgery? I'm not a doctor, man. <laughs> well, you just said everything. <laughs> everything, every, everything like that is what I meant to say. But the, you missed the three biggest ones. I haven't even got to the three biggest ones. What yet. are the three biggest ones? Of Let's the do, East? Can, do we have a drum roll? Uh, we do not. I already know we don't. Oh, we don't. We number don't. three. <laughs> uh, uh, number, number three. three. Number three. Up, up, up. Is it enthusiasm? Enthusiasm! Ow. Uh, and then the other one is, be ready, Emily, excitement. Excited, get excited, get excited, get excited. <laughs> and then, um... Am I forgetting one? You missed the most important one. What's the most important one? Is it education? Thank the Lord. Ha ha! Thank you, God. Because Woo! I'm an educated gentleman. Yes, sir. Not exactly, but what we try to do is we try to educate our audience each week. And each week we try to educate people so that they can learn something about business. And without any further ado, how do you spell do? A D I E U. And what's the biggest letter in a do? The biggest letter? Well, E! The, oh, that's Part of the S. Brian show. That is true. I tricked you. I oh, tricked you. we forgot to include a variant sport. A variant sport. A very important E. Emily. 
Woo. Of course. Without which the show could not be done. Bingo. True that. True that. <laughs> true that. True that. True that. True that. Okay. Now, yeah. we have our co-host. Thank you very much, Patrick. Uh, Tracy, are you still around? I'm here. I'm just flabbergasted by all the enthusiasm. Well, you know what happens when you're not in the <laughs> studio for a while? This is what happens. <laughs> I can see that. I can hear that. Well, and then we have a very, very good guest today. Her name is Guinevere. Is that Guinevere? Is that, am I pronouncing it correctly or not? That's correct. Guinevere spells with four E's. Four E's? Oh, Ash Bryant. All right. Now, she, she is a total, total Ash Bryant person. With the E's, four E's. If you forget, if you forget my name as Guinevere, you can just say "Give me a beer" because it rhymes with Guinevere. And give me a beer. Oh my God, we love her already. <laughs> and we Multiple to, E's and give me a beer. What if, what what could be better than that? <laughs> going to O'Brien's pub for the beer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we have a couple of questions. So we are a pretty serious show now, and the questions we have is: Can you give us a little bit about your background? Sure thing. Uh, so I'm a, a medical coder by trade. Um, I'm also a serial entrepreneur, and I've started 22 different different companies, including a a vegan, a national vegan food franchise company. I had a bonsai farm for a while. I'm a licensed drone pilot, a notary, and for the past 10 years, a medical biller and coder. That's it. I was teasing. Anyway, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of stuff to be doing. <laughs> um, plus, you know, being a serial entrepreneur, I mean, you must deal a lot with Kellogg's and post cereals. Now, um, question for you. The name of your company is what? Called Sage? Is that correct? Correct. Sage Medical Coding and Billing. And when did that company start? Uh, in 2020. Did you start it alone or did you start it with other people? Uh, well, I, I was a medical coder and I began working with, uh, I, I reached out to a developer with the concept I had to see if, you know, if, if the idea I had, so again, I'm a med, as a medical coder, I'm not a software engineer, so I had to see how the concept that I had in mind would roll out as a technical solution. So that, that's a question a lot of listeners always don't understand about billing and coding. So uh, can you explain a little bit about how that works? Sure thing. So medical coders are the individuals responsible for translating physician reports into useful medical code. So these type of professionals work behind the scenes in a variety of settings to ensure that pertinent information is coded properly to be sure that we have a level of consistency and accuracy. I imagine there's like a book or something, you know, a reference book or something that shows this is how you build for the lumbotomy for S. Bryan or the... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's a government organization called CMS.gov, and every year they produce a book with updated medical codes. And then we use a series of problem-solving techniques to read over physician files, identify certain medical terms, and kind of say that story into medical code. Well, you know, I don't know about you, and I don't want to say anything against doctors, but most, people, most doctors that I'm aware of have bad handwriting. So my question is, how do you even read the uh, handwriting? <laughs> That's a good question. So these days, physicians typically do not write, write uh, you know, record patient data by hand. It's often entered electronically into a, what's called an electronic medical record or an electronic health record. So if you think back to the last visit, 
you had with your physician during that encounter? Did your physician spend a lot of time looking at a computer and, and doing data entry? That often happens that during patient encounters, the physician is, you know, typing, doing a, quite a bit of, of data entry to record all of the, the patient information from that, during that visit. So how does HIPAA affect this? Because, you know, you've got the doctor, and he's giving the information. Now he's giving it to the coder. So are you on the privacy rules of the doctor? We are absolutely restricted by HIPAA to ensure all privacy of every patient record that we encounter. You've started this new company. How are you different than any other coder or programmer? What is unique to your product? Good question. Um, So let me touch on the problem that we're solving. So... If you or anyone you've ever known has received a bill in the mail from your physician that should have been covered by your medical insurance, then you've experienced part of the $100 billion worth of mistakes that are made by medical coders and billers every year. So what our product is doing is eliminating the the costly human error while increasing uh, physician productivity by 20%. So the way we do this is instead of having the physician now, you know, most physicians have gone to medical school for 12 years. The last thing they want to do is sit in an office and do data entry all day. So we've come up with a product that allows the physician to record an audio file. The audio file is transcribed for them in real time. So that eliminates the, the necessity for lengthy typing. Uh, our AI-driven technology can then scan that transcription and do what a medical coder sh- would normally do, which is generate the correct medical code. Um, that code then goes on to another section of our of our software-based system that generates the, it basically replaces the biller, and then that goes off to the payer. So that now, in the past, this process would had normally taken about eight steps and could take weeks to complete. We've managed to reduce this to only three steps, and it can be done in real time. Well, that, that's, that's very good. I mean, obviously... If you can pay out and get the money quicker, that's better for you. Now, the people that are paying the money, they probably don't want to pay it as quickly, but uh, certainly it can be very efficient to do with you. Um, what is the biggest problem that you've had? The biggest challenge we're having at the moment is basically feeding the AI enough data to be able to assess for every complexity. And if you think of you know millions of, of humans on Earth, there can be <laughs> a variety of different, of different problems that those patients can be experiencing. So in order to, to have you know, to be able to choose the correct codes each time, our system has to continue to learn, as with most artificial intelligence or machine learning systems. So basically what we're, we're our ch- biggest challenge is getting enough data to feed to our system. We're constantly improving the accuracy of the system by exposing it to more and more data. Now, if I, if I, if I heard you correct every, every year, year they are, they are changing, changing some of the codes? So every year they update the code. So assume in the year 2019, we didn't have a code for coronavirus COVID-19, right? Because that hadn't existed yet. So in 2020, they had created a code for that, for that diagnosis when, you know, because it was a new thing. Now suddenly a new piece of durable medical equipment can come on the market, right? A more advanced wheelchair, a more, you know, dynamic set of crutches, anything to that effect, casting, all sorts of things um, that are improved on it within the medical field will have, you know, as they come to market, there will be a, a, a new code assigned to those. So any new diseases, um, procedures, or uh, medical equipment will all have additional codes each year. So where I'm confused is, 
uh, using AI, and each, and each year, year coming, coming out, out with new, new codes. So it doesn't take like three months to six months before the AI, AI can, can figure it out, it out because you've got, got new codes each year. So there's additional codes that come out every year. So if, it, if, if you were diagnosed with, with diabetes, that code would stay the same each year. But if a new form of diabetes came, you know, was diagnosed, then that would be an additional code. So each year, so the system is trained on, on a base set of the pre-existing codes, which are typically, you know, reused every year. So it's just a few new codes each year. So basically, 90% of it's probably the same, just a couple of codes here and there. A few hundred new codes each year, but yeah, that, that's very true. How many codes are there? 68,000. 68,000? That's all. Mm-hmm. That's my de- daily calorie in- intake, is 68,000. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so how does the computer train itself with AI? So the, it has a recurring neural network that is able to, to improve and learn from each patient. And ha- how many repetitions do you typically need before it actually starts to, you know, you know come, come up, up with, with the proper, proper AI? AI. Uh, well, currently the system is trained with over 100,000 data points, so it's, it's quite accurate. It's currently coding at an accuracy rate higher than a human. Does it, can it audit itself for problems, or how does that work? So we do we do a variety of, of random audit series to ensure that the system is coding at the proper rate. When you have a problem or something comes up, does it pop up and tell you? Absolutely. So if there is a mistake made within our system, or if the billing the biller uh, the billing component makes a mistake, then it wouldn't pass through what's called a clearinghouse. So the clearinghouse essentially scrubs the claim and verifies that there's a 99% chance that it will be accepted by the payer. So you can see how this would drastically reduce the amount of denied claims and bills being sent to patients that, you know, should have been covered. So I would expect a a typical bill would be entering the data in a database and filling out all the information. With this AI, you, you avoid that step and the computer program just figures it out? Is that correct? Yeah. So regarding the biller, the billing system works like this. So... Let's assume, Brian, that you had Medicare coverage. I don't know how old you are, but let's just assume you have Medicare. I'm 97, and 97 years old. <laughs> okay, then you certainly have Medicare. And let's assume your, your, your co-host has, that Tracy has, um, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Now, each of you go to visit a, a different primary care doctor, and during that visit, you, Brian, received a, um, a flu shot. Now, the physician wants to be paid, reimbursed by your medical insurance payer for both the visit and the flu shot. So when so we can diagnose this, we can um, assess the uh, procedure, but on the billing end, Medicare is willing to reimburse your physician $65 for that flu shot, although Tracy with Blue, with Blue Cross Blue Shield, she's had the same uh, diagnosis and the same um, procedure. Only her billing provider is, is only willing to reimburse $45 for the same flu shot. So that's where the, where billing gets a little bit sticky is, uh, different pro- providers will, even though they're accepting your relatively similar codes, they're, what they're willing to pay and reimburse for those services can be very different. So that's, that is why the billing system is, the billing AI is so important because it's, it, you know, also reducing the amount of mistakes made 
by correctly assessing which insurance company is, is, you know, is attached to that patient and what that company is willing to reimburse today. And, and it's the billing, it's, it's the insurance company, whether or not it's Medicare, Medicaid, or, or uh, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, they're making the determination of how much the money gets paid off of each policy. Can they have different amounts for different policies? I got the gold, premium, platinum form, and I get $60 for that one, or you got the, uh, you know, dewy, uh, crappy policy. <laughs> so the, the payers themselves decide what they're willing to reimburse for treatment. So basically, we 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 send them the code with the current billing, the pay pay fee schedule that they provided to us. Uh, what happens within those policies specifically are not are not really connected to what our platform does, because each payer, as you mentioned, Medicare, they can change their pay fee schedules at any time. And who are you selling this to? Are you selling it to doctors, to medical billing companies? Who are you selling this to? That's a very good question. So currently, our our B2B SaaS and server software customers, our physician groups, specialty care clinics, chiropractors, behavioral health specialists, and telehealth doctors, although we can vertically integrate with anyone who accepts medical insurance. And that in- industry alone is a $682 billion industry. We have our co-host. Tracy, you still around? I'm here. I'm so fascinated by your background in terms of your multiple different experiences in different businesses and different roles. Can you share with us maybe some of the different lessons of each of those that got, that led you to this place? Sure. Um, I believe, uh, my answer to that question would just be my sheer desire to learn new things always. You know, there's, there's so many interesting things going on in the world and whether you're able to harness that interest and turn it into, you know, a business or something that you can love to do while, you know, while being profitable at the same time, or if it's, you know, just a series of, you know, perfecting or getting to the point in one of, one of these projects where, you know, I've fulfilled, you know, all of the goals that I was looking to do and then, you know, move on to something else new and exciting. That's kind of what allows me to continue to progress to different areas of growth and learning and, and business and startups. And what would you say was your aha moment in terms of developing Sage Medical? Uh, Sage Medical was, was sort of a, a necessary solution uh, based on the fact that a lot of the systems that physicians are having to use, the data entry systems are, can be somewhat archaic. There's a lot of drop-down menus and clickies where they have to click on something to get to another page, to another page, and so on. It's very time-consuming and frustrating for physicians. So as I had continued to see your witness physician burnout, I realized, well, there must be a faster way that we can allow the physician to get the information they need into their system while eliminating the human error that's connected to that $100 billion a year with the mistakes made in the biller and coder sector. Were you, in terms of like just being such a heavy tech platform, was that something that you felt intimidated by or did you feel comfortable with? And, how, and, and based on your answer, how did you move forward? So the AI industry is amazing. It's so progressive and, and so, so quick to innovate that I, I wanted it. I wanted to be part of it. And AI turned out to be a perfect solution for what we're doing because we're not, we're not making any attempt to 
replace the physician. We're just trying to automate a task that's very laborious to you know increase productivity for the physician, reduce burnout, and allow the medical coding and billing to be more streamlined uh, as well as being done in real time. So that I was not intimidated by the AI market itself because you know I, I see this technology being implemented everywhere. But a, a big challenge related to that, as you mentioned, tech is not my background. So one of the tallest obstacles that we're seeking to overcome is hiring good fit developers and employee retention. So we need to procure like the best and the brightest if we want to, you know, we want to keep them engaged on our journey. We want them to, you know, to, to love this project. And quite frankly, medical coding is not a very sexy business. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's, most people don't know that medical coding is at the heart of, you know, the healthcare industry. And um, there are problems associated with medical coding and billing industry, such as, it, honestly, it's just kind of a mess. Coding is a boring job. There's not enough medical coders. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, just a lengthy process that's prone to mistakes. So uh, this particular solution, I think, is the right fit at the right time, you know, using an, an experienced AI technology to automate, you know, tasks that, that no one really wants to do. Well, that's a great um, segue, if you will, into the other question that I wanted to ask you, which is about, like, what is the size of your team now, and where do you see the areas of growth and adding to your team? So, we, we our team, we do have an executive board, and then we have a lot of our developers we, we outsource at the moment uh, as we continue to, to develop the product, we will start bringing on more and more um, in-house staff. But if you consider our out, the people we outsource to as well, we're about a team of 15. And within that, or in addition to that, we have four channel partnerships with legacy EMR companies. So those are established uh, electronic medical records companies that we've been working with. Mm-hmm. And where do you, where does business development fall into your team building? So the business will continue to develop as we continue to partner with with additional EMR groups. Now we have a we have a very interesting marketing um, strategy. Since we're directly integrated with those specific EMR groups, we only the physicians on those platforms can can use our our software at the moment. So instead of us taking out ads on you know like Google Ads or something to that effect, which could reach Millions of physicians who are, you know, not on these four specific platforms. Uh, we realized early on that that would really not be the best strategy for marketing. So instead, we work with medtech influencers. We work with advertising within that marketplace directly to the users on in the EMR specific groups. And what, so, I guess um, based on that growth within those relationships, partnerships, if you will, there's not really. Um, or is there room for a dedicated business development, like a salesperson, sales team that's in play for your future expansion? There is. So there are hundreds of EMR, uh, cloud-based EMR systems that we can continue to partner with. Uh, we also have a secondary strategy, which is called SDK licensing and white label, with white label software. So these groups can also basically lease our software and use it uh, under their brand within their system. So is the biggest revenue generator of the business recurring revenue from these licenses and or partnerships? Correct. 
And would there ever be alternate revenue streams that would extend past this? Is this just is this a primary product that you're launching first with idea of launching others, or is this the primary that will remain as it is? Uh, so this particular platform, since it's a fully big, you know, three-in-one platform, I, I would say that this system would continue to work to work the way it's been designed to in this at its current stage. But we do have a secondary revenue market, which would be those medical coders we were talking about. <laughs> so the medical coders, if they were to use our, our AI technology, they would be able to continue to, to log into physician notes, only they would read the physician note into our technology and we would give them the answers to the question. We would generate the codes for them, which would allow them to nearly double the amount of coding they could do per day. And what does a typical day in the life of you and this company look like? Just um, everyone always loves to hear some of the behind the scenes, um, and I'd love to know just what you know what makes up a typical day for you. Uh, the day they were busy. Um, I have two senior chihuahuas who are my my personal assistants, who, <laughs> who, are, who are I believe uh, underworked and overpaid, but. Um, uh, but I, I do love working from home, um, but the day is filled with, you know, often very uh, interesting Zoom meetings, um, you know, continued marketing strategies, uh, expansion strategy, um, meetings with the developer team to see, you know, how can we improve this and increase that. So across the board, it's, um, it's a pretty active day. I'd say 60 hours a week minimum for the last year and a half. So. Is this in consideration to the other ventures that you've been involved with? Do you, is this your busiest in terms of time commitment, the 60 hours? Uh, I would say it's equivalent to um, the, being the, having been the founder of a national food franchise. That was very, very demanding as well, um, not only uh, because you tech, technology business, you can you know, reach people through Zoom and there's a lot of other platforms where you can exchange information, but with a national food franchise, you, you literally have to get on the plane and like boogie on down to that location <laughs> and affect right. what's going on and, uh, you know, retrain employees and staff and, you know, there's, there's uh, shipping and, and product challenges and all sorts of things that you would face in, in not just one restaurant, but a whole chain of restaurants. So I would say that that was a, a much more stressful business to have been in. You know, but it, it was an enjoyable business, and it showed us that you know we that there that there can be a national vegan you know food industry like that. And here we are, ten years later, and there's vegan food available you know at most restaurants. So, so I'm thrilled to see that we were on the the early upswing of that industry as well. Yeah, I just um, actually saw a video today with one of my clients who was being interviewed um, by. A chef that his name is Strike in New York City, who launched a franchise of fast food that's all plant based. So I think you know you're right. It's a much bigger trend than if it's just getting into fast food franchising as plant based, full on plant based fast food. That's in New York. That's pretty fascinating for me to hear about that. Yep, and I look forward to to more of that type of plant based industry. You know, whether it be restaurant or you know, consumer foods. But yeah, I think that's definitely a trend that's not going to slow down anytime soon. It might be less people needing to code medical reports as people wait more plant-based, right? 
I have no, many reports to support that theory, absolutely. <laughs> well, in terms of, um, because you've had, you know, this wide array of time invested in growing these businesses, and like you were saying, there was a chapter of your life where you were more, it was more stressful because you were on planes and having to travel more and deal maybe more with, with human personnel. Now you have the responsibilities of growing and scaling a business that even though you're working from home is still really challenging with time. What are some of the things that you do as an entrepreneur to practice self-care and wellness for yourself? That's a great question. Um, so I live in the Denver, Colorado area, and there are amazing hot springs nearby. Uh, Steamboat the, um, is a, an area um, that basically I love going to little spa getaway um, retreats, things of that effect, massage. Of course, healthy eating, things like that are very, I feel, are great ways to decompress and, and alleviate the stress that are very low impact as well. Are you a big exercise person? Like with Denver, there are so many beautiful places to hike. I was just curious, are you an outdoors exercise person, indoor exercise person? Um, that is a good question. I think I would, would have spent more time outdoors had I not chosen a, a technical <laughs> industry. Because right. I, I, you know, <laughs> I need to be, uh, you know, I need to have a strong Wi-Fi signal and be, be near to uh, a computer at almost all times. And so therefore I don't get out as much as I'd like to, but I, you know, I do enjoy hiking and skiing and, you know, things that are available here in, in Colorado. So where do you, where do you find your uh, biggest challenges in terms of, you know, not, and I'm a female entrepreneur asking a female entrepreneur, so this isn't about gender so much, but I am curious if there have been any specific challenges that you faced either in the tech world or in your previous chapters um, around being a woman entrepreneur. And if you faced any of those challenges, how did you overcome them? Well, funding. Funding for female-led companies is, well, here's an example. So less than 4% of female-led companies are funded by VCs, venture capitalists. So we are, we are making an effort to change that. In fact, um, I'm currently uh, participating in a accelerator program that's hosted by a group called, a group of VCs called Expert Dojo out of Santa Monica, California. And they, their focus is uh, funding uh, women-led businesses as well as minority-led businesses. And that is a huge disruptor in the, uh, in a positive way, but it's definitely not, not what we've seen over the last decades as far as, you know, a focus for VCs. So I'm thrilled to be working with their accelerator program. And, uh, the more often we, we see that trending, I, I feel the, the, the better, uh, and wider variety of um, business expansion uh, that will be available. So the more people, the more investors in general focus or turn a focus to investing in women-led businesses, minority-led businesses, I think we'll, we'll see the market grow exponentially. Question we have, who's your competition? Who is my competition? Oh, that's a good one. Besides well, yes, Brian. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, so currently there are products on the market. So there, there is a system on the market that's used specifically by medical coders that would allow you to, uh, would allow a coder to read a patient's 
um, entry and then choose the correct word and then basically cut and paste that word into uh, this other platform, the platform will generate the, a code for them. But what's, what makes our system different is we also have a, a transcription tool and we have a billing tool combined, whereas, you know, in addition to our ability to do, to automate the coding, um, there are several systems on the market who can do your billing. Again, it takes a lot of, you know, manual entry, and it also would require you to already have had someone create a medical code for you. For our system, it's, um, it's seamless. We, you know, we have it. It's a seamless med tech solution that can continue to innovate, um, as well as have, there are, of course, dictation tools on the market. If you have a, a cell phone and you want to send a text message, but you don't want to type it out, you can, of course, dictate it, right? And it'll transcribe it for you. So there are systems like that on the market, but again, they, they kind of stop at, 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 you know, just performing that one task. So our system is, is different. Uh, so my, my overall response would be there are many systems on the market that do one of the three things that we do, but I have yet to find one that has combined all three into one fully baked product. Super. Tracy? Well, when we were, we were talking during the break, you mentioned that there's a lot of collaboration going on in med tech with the founders. Uh, that's really interesting. Can you share more about that? Absolutely. Um, a few months ago, we participated in the Salesforce Accelerator program, and I was thrilled to meet the other participants in that cohort because everybody was sharing information. So I was, you know, just very inspired by that. And the, I feel the reason that so many of the the med tech founders and products that are coming to market are working together is simply we can get to the finish line faster, we can innovate more quickly, and um, it's it's really pressing the envelope for for innovation. So if we work together and you know combine our systems and come forward with a, a really complete solution, we can we can bring this to market more quickly and essentially assist physicians and hospitals much, much faster. And if someone wanted to get in touch with you, we want to make sure before we um, have to close out the show, we want to make sure we give people the opportunity if they want to engage with Stage Medical or they want to get in touch with you uh, for future co- collaborations of any sort, um, how would they reach you? That would be great. I'd, I'd love to hear from, from anyone who's interested in this product or the process. Our website is www.stagemedical.io. And you can reach us by email at info at sagemedical.io. And if you were to provide a, a takeaway tip for someone that was in the, in just starting something new or just in the tech world, what, what is the tip that you would provide for entrepreneurs out there? Uh, collaboration is, is an absolute uh, key to success. Don't get frustrated. <laughs> Keep going forward. <laughs> it's, uh, it can be very frustrating to, you know, to not have a win right out of the gate, but don't give up. Just keep working forward. And, uh, yeah, you know, the, the technology is there. Just just work with it and, you know, keep moving forward. Before we go any further, what do you think is going to be the way that you're going to be able to scale this? I think this will scale more quickly with, with, with our ability to uh, vertically integrate with all of the used systems. So the, to connect to each of these systems and implement our software within their 
operating EMR uh, can happen very quickly in a, in a, a day or so. So the, the, the quicker we form the, the channel partnership agreements and are able to bring this to market within their system, that will show our growth exponentially. So the last question, and we're going to have to make it really quick, compatibility, right? So if I'm a bill coding billing and I'm doing that, you know, can I just pick up the software and run it really quick, or is there a learning curve there? Uh, no, as a physician, you simply press the record button. You speak whatever you'd like, uh, you know, as a patient uh, record into our system, and we take it from there. <laughs> you press record, speak, stop recording, and we automate everything from there. Thank you very much. The show's over. Thank you very much for your time. HF 1220, 98.1 FM, the S. Brian Radio. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.